but we'll see an amazing demonstration of God's grace in our passage this morning. In the Old Testament, again, I'm in Daniel, Daniel chapter 4. If you uh, were here for some of these, you'll know that, man, God is doing amazing things and giving dreams to Nebuchadnezzar and uh, revealing to him what's going to happen in the future. Um, he had a second dream. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that God revealed to him. And in this dream, he saw, and this dream terrified him. He saw this huge tree, and this tree just, you know, all the, all the beasts of the earth found shade under it. They found food. All the peoples of the earth, it, it was so far-reaching. It's like to the ends of the earth. And it was just huge and massive and uh, for food and just, just showed a great strength, an amazing tree. But in that dream, the tree was cut down and the, tree, the, the leaves were ripped off of it. And this dream terrified him. He did not know what to, to make of this dream. Again, he called the magicians and astrologers and all those in there. And this time he tells them the dream. The other time he wanted them to tell him the dream and interpretation. But this time he tells them the dream. And they, they had no clue what the dream meant. So at last he called in Daniel, Belshazzar, and revealed the dream to him. But that's where the passage will pick up this morning whenever he, after he had revealed the dream to, to Daniel. But before we read, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do praise You and magnify You because You are God. We praise You because You are the Holy God that created the earth and all that is in it. You created mankind. And Father, You do have the right to reign over it, Lord God, to do as You will with it because it is Yours. We are Yours. Father God, our very lives belong to You. We only have them because of Your amazing grace and because of Your love for mankind. Father, we just praise and worship You. We thank You for Your presence in our lives. Every day, Father, we know that You will never leave us for forsake us. Father, we thank You for Your presence here today. And may our hearts and our minds be open to what You have for us today, Father God. May Your will be done. May Your name be lifted high. And Father, may we grow closer and more intimate with You today. Father, through Your Word, through the speaking and the preaching of Your Word. In Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen. Amen. It is amazing how God will reveal Himself to an idol-worshipping heathen. But He does. He does that. And He revealed Himself through the Israelite captives. But what is His purpose? Before I even get into the Scripture, what is God's purpose in giving these dreams and, and all these visions and stuff to a to an idol-worshiping heathen. His purpose is to demonstrate His love. To demonstrate that He truly does have compassion and grace towards all the world. That's what this is all about. We'll go ahead and get into the Scripture, then we'll discuss it some more. Daniel chapter 4, verses 19 through 35. And I know that some of these verses are long verses, so it is a little bit of a long reading. Then Daniel whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So when the king revealed the dream to him, Daniel it was very disturbed. He didn't want to say anything. He just was pondering it in his mind, in his heart, and he's like, oh, 
I don't want to tell the king what this means. But the king spoke to him and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong and whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens had their home. It is you, O king, you have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reached to the heavens, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my lord the king. They shall drive you from men, Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He chooses. You know, as I was searching this out and reading it, I'm going to get to the rest of that, seven times it says. It doesn't say seven years. And some translations say seven seasons. And they say that they only had two seasons, not four like we have. So some say, well, this seven times may have only actually been like three and a half years and not actually seven years. It really doesn't matter, but it was the perfect time until it took him to know. However long it was, whether it was three and a half years or seven years, it was the amount of time it took for Nebuchadnezzar to know that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men. That's how long it took. And that He gives it to whomever He chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O King... Let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. And all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is this not great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling? by my mighty power, and for the honor of my majesty. Here's what's next. While the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice from heaven, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. My friends, God hears every word we speak. He knows every thought we think. We cannot hide anywhere. We cannot hide in the deepest cave and speak something that God doesn't know. He hears every word. 
And the Lord said, And they shall drive you from men. Then your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever He chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. He must have been a sightly thing, right? At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain His hand or say to Him, What have you done? My friends, we cannot say to God, What have you done or why have you done this? Because He created us. He will do as He wills. God's judgments are righteous. His judgments are always righteous and fair. His ways are always faithful and true. And His purpose, friends, is not to destroy. His purpose was... Yes, He had to remove Nebuchadnezzar from His kingdom, but His purpose is not to destroy. His purpose is that they may know Him. That's what this whole thing is about. That they may know Him. John 17.3 says that they may know God. That's what it's all about. What a unique chapter this is. You know, we know that most of the book of Daniel was written by Daniel. But this is a letter written by Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, because he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, is speaking first person, lifted my eyes. And in the very beginning... He sent, Nebuchadnezzar sent this word out to all the nations, to all the earth, that they would read and hear what he had to say. You know, most kings would write letters, write letters of records, records of uh, how great their kingdom was and the armies that they defeated and the kings that they took down and all that they've done. But most kings would only record the good things that they've done. Or the things that they were proud and, and, and you know, were honorable. But King Nebuchadnezzar mentions that he kind of lost his mind. Became like a, the cattle, grazed in the field. Shared these things with all the world to know. What a humble act for King Nebuchadnezzar to do. To let all the world know what happened to him. So it's different from... Most letters that kings would write. But it was to reveal the awesome God. To reveal how important it is that we know God. That we come to know that the God in heaven rules and reigns. You know, a, a king is a very proud person. I mean, you're not going to take a timid person and make him a king or a great ruler. It just is not in their characteristic, is it? You have to have someone that has a pretty high level, a pretty high self-esteem, if you will, a high level of arrogance in some cases, to, to be a leader. 
to become a king. You know, Dr. Dobson describes Dobson, speak this morning, describes a strong-willed person as a smart person, a person with a lot of confidence, a loyal child, one who shows remarkable capacity. A smart or a strong-willed child is a problem solver. It is one with a determination to let nothing stand in their way of achieving their goals. That kind of, I bet Nebuchadnezzar was a strong-willed child, don't you think? He wasn't letting anything stand in his way of achieving his goals, and that's to have the largest, most powerful kingdom in all the earth. And he had pretty well accomplished it. But God had other ideas, didn't he? A dream that terrified him. God revealed to him, I'm going to take you down. I'm going to humble you. I'm going to drive you from among men. He's going to go from the palace to the pasture. My friends, that's what God needs to do with us sometimes, doesn't He? To get our attention. He had to learn the hard way. I forgot to tell you the title of my message. It was up there, wasn't it? Okay, I didn't have to tell you. Learning the hard way. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn the hard way that God reigns. We sometimes have to learn the hard way, don't we? You know, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Tomorrow, disaster could strike. We could go from living in our nice comfy homes to living in our cars. Nebuchadnezzar goes from a palace to the pasture. God may allow things to come upon us to get our attention. Verse 27 reveals that Daniel really had earned the respect of the king over the years that he had served him. Years had passed. He says, Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Daniel tells the king, Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your days and your prosperity may continue. You know, the average servant could not go before the king and could not dare say anything like that to the king unless the king asked it of him. But Daniel had such a relationship with the king that he could say to the king, you basically he's telling him, king, you need to repent. You need to repent. And you need to acknowledge the Most High God. God has been dealing tremendously with Nebuchadnezzar. Remember the first dream. The image of all the metallic, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron. And it troubled him, but after Daniel revealed the dream to him, Daniel says, truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets. Well, if you remember last week, the fiery furnace. God miraculously delivers Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. And after he does that, what does Nebuchadnezzar say? I like to maybe call him old Neb. What's Neb say? He says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he made a decree that no one should speak anything amiss against God. So here, I mean, there's a, a time in all this. So God's dealing with him actually for years. 
this next dream, this amazing tree, Daniel tells him the interpretation of the dream. What does he say? Nothing. He's speechless. He says nothing. A year has passed. Nothing's changed. I'm still the king. Time has a way of doing that to us, doesn't it? We think, oh, well, you know, the Lord spoke this to me 40 years ago. Nothing's happened. Same as it was yesterday and last year and 10 years before that. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed for Nebuchadnezzar. His kingdom's still powerful, still great. He's thinking, ha, huh, I guess that was a mistake. Maybe Daniel misunderstood what God was saying. But he found out real quickly as he stood there and boasted of all of his great kingdom, it befell him. He had to learn the hard way. God in His grace, I said this is going to be about grace, He gave him an entire year, an entire year to turn his life around, to humble himself before God, and yet he refused to do so. Is God's grace not demonstrated in these passages in Daniel? He gave him way more than a year actually, a year from the last dream. Twelve months to repent and say, I, I need to turn my life to God and trust in the God of Daniel. Make him my God. But he did not. Daniel reveals that God wants to prevent people from experiencing heartbreak and suffering. You know, children, are you just listening? Daniel gave them, him advice, right? Does your parents ever give you advice? Okay, I got a one head nodding anyway. Your parents ever give you advice? Do you think they give you advice because they want what is best for you? Yes, right. But do we always, okay, even the adults now, you were a child once, do we always heed our parents' advice? No. And when we're teenagers, here's why. We don't always heed their advice. Because they don't know nothing. They don't know nothing. They're old folks. They don't know a thing. All they are trying to do is keep me from having fun. Keep me from going my own way and doing my own thing. Come on now. You was young once. <laughs> yeah, I'm really getting a laugh over from that side. Yeah, I'd like to have been his dad. <laughs> I bet he was an honorary one. <laughs> but what do we do? What do we normally do? We learn things the hard way. Right. We learn things the hard way. And you know what? Usually when we get older, some of us it's in our 20s and some of us it's in our 30s and some ain't never figured it out. But we realize... Man, mom and dad knew what they were talking about. They were trying to do what is best for me. They were trying to protect me from this suffering, from this thing that I had to go through because of my stubbornness and because of my arrogance and pride. That's what God's doing with Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel's trying to guide him in the right direction. But he had to learn the hard way. I found the list of a 
bunch of things, but just a few of the things then I'm going to share that we have to learn the hard way. You know, you cannot make someone love you. No matter how, you can be the sweetest, richest, prettiest, kindest person in the world, but that does not mean everyone's going to love you. But sometimes we have to learn that the hard way, don't we? Regret hurts far worse than fear. Because of our fears, we neglect to do some things or take the advice from our parents, and then later we'll regret it. And it's worse than the fear that we bowed to, right? Running away from your problems is a race you're never going to win. We have to learn that the hard way sometimes, don't we? And one thing that we probably all have learned the hard way is the truth comes out eventually. How many of us have lied to our parents? Come on. How many has lied to your parents? Or hid something for your parents? How about that? Right? My kids was always like, I might as well tell her because I don't know how, but she's going to know. <laughs> Mom always knew. Our parents did seem to always know. We can't hide something from them. I had a fellow share with me one time. He says, no man has sufficient memory to be a liar. Because you'll never be able to remember all those things, that the lies you told, you won't be able to cover up for them. Eventually, they're going to catch up with you. Right. Wait, I said that wrong. No man has sufficient memory to be a successful liar. I forgot that word. Very important word. Successful. You know, God demonstrates how patient, how gracious... And loving he is in his dealings with Nebuchadnezzar. You know, the book of Esther doesn't even mention the name God, the word God. But you can see his work throughout the entire book. You won't find the word grace, long-suffering, patience, any of these things in this chapter in Daniel. But the entire chapter reveals God's amazing grace. His wonderful grace. You know, God could have sent fire and brimstone down out of heaven and destroyed Nebuchadnezzar's entire kingdom. But that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted all of these events to bring glory and honor to him. The dreams, how many people do you think were around whenever these dreams were interpreted? Yes, many, especially the three children. Remember, they had people from all the nations, all the officials from all the other surrounding regions were there witnessed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace and heard the words of the king, seeing God's mighty power deliver them from the furnace. And now this letter that Nebuchadnezzar sends out to all the world, God is glorified in it. His name is lifted up. All the nations of the world will see that our God reigns, as we just sang. That God is in control through Nebuchadnezzar's words. He's proclaiming God to be the true God. His witness has went out to the world. Sometimes things will happen in life that cause us to wonder, why did God allow this to happen? Well, maybe to give glory and honor to Him. Amen. Think of the story of Lazarus. Because Lazarus, Jesus' friend Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, he became sick, apparently very sick, unto death. 
But Martha and Mary, watching their brother get sick, they knew. They knew that if Jesus would come, if He would come and just lay His hands on him, that He'd be made well. I mean, because they knew that, hey, He interrupted funerals. Didn't He? And gave a child back to His mother. He opened blinded eyes. He restored a, a, a withered up hand. He put eyes where there wasn't eyeballs. They knew His miracle working power. Please, you're our friend. Come. They sent a messenger. Please come. Come and touch our brother that he will be made well. Jesus is in a, another city. But what did He do? Verse 4 of John chapter 11 says, When Jesus heard that, He said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He tarried for days. It was four... By the time He came, Lazarus already died. They wrapped Him in the grave clothes and buried Him. Martha comes out. You know the story. Lord, if You would have only been here... I'm going to paraphrase this. Ronnie's, Lord, I thought You loved your, brother, your, your, your friend Lazarus. Why didn't You come? He would not have died, Lord. I know He wouldn't if You would have come. But now He's dead. Verse 40 to 42. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then He took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up His eyes and said, Father, I thank You that You have heard Me. I know that You always hear Me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that You sent Me. That they may believe that God might be glorified. That's why He tarried for days. So that they would witness the mighty power of God. And know that God sent Jesus, but also that God Himself would receive the glory and the honor for raising this man from the dead. God has always been very patient, abundant in His grace, allowing many opportunities for man to repent of their sins and acknowledge that He is the Creator and the Sustainer of life, who is not willing that any should perish. It's not God's plan, friends, that any would perish but that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 20, 21 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounds, friends, grace abounds much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friends, God's grace is sufficient. I don't care if you are an idol-worshiping heathen. God's grace is sufficient for all of our sins. Amen? I found a story of a poor woman who had struggled to make ends meet. And she knew what it meant to be stinted for food. She was taking on an outing one day to the seaside, and she was delighted with the scene. As she looked out over the vast expanse of water, tears filled her eyes as she explained, Thank God for a sight of something that there is enough of. Abundance. That is how it is with the soul when it gets the first vision of the infinite fullness of God. 
of God's grace in Jesus Christ. His grace is quite enough for every soul. I don't care how bad your sins are, how great or how small, God's grace is sufficient. The greatest statement that Nebuchadnezzar made in his letter as king of Babylon was this, verses 34-37, through At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. My friends, he had to get to the lowest point of his life till he finally looked up. I lifted my eyes to heaven, he said, and my understanding returned to me. And here's the most important thing. He didn't say, Daniel's God, or Daniel blessed the Most High. He said, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him. King Nebuchadnezzar blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain His hand or say to Him, What have you done? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and His ways justice, and those who walk in pride He is able to put down. My friends, this word again went out to all. King Nebuchadnezzar said, And I praise and extol and honor the King of, King of heaven. You know, you'll read commentaries and get all kinds of different opinions. And some are under the opinion that Nebuchadnezzar still wasn't saved. That's his words. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king. My friends, I truly believe that we'll see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. Because I believe he repented. I mean, how could you be out there in the field for whatever amount of time, three and a half years or seven years, and not turn and repent? I believe with all my heart that He did. Because He praised and worshipped the God of heaven. He, has, he was broken. He learned the hard way. But praise God, He learned. Amen. Praise God, He learned. You know, we know who reigns. We know who gives us all that we have. And I don't know why, but I got to thinking of the doxology. The doxology that we sing. We are acknowledging from whom all blessings come. Are we not? Amen. The dictionary defines doxology as an expression of praise to God. The word doxology, doxology comes from the Greek doxa. means glory, splendor, and grandeur. And logos, word or speaking. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We sing it every week. You know, as I was traveling this week, when I'm traveling, it's a wonderful time to pray. And as I was traveling and praying, and this, this thought just came to my mind, that I should be responding to people when they say, How are you today? I should be saying, I am blessed beyond measure. I'm just telling you that's what God gave me this week. I am blessed beyond measure. And here's why I say that. God gave it to me. Because how does the world measure? Come on. They measure by what you have. They, believe me, the world has all kinds of measurements. You know, 
your family. You're blessed how large your family is. You're blessed by how great your flock is. We don't have flocks, I know that. But we have things. That's how the world measures how we are blessed. But God revealed to me, here's what blessed beyond measure means. Can you measure eternity? All right, I see head shaking no. We cannot, right? Because it's time without end. There is no way possible that we can measure it. So my friends, when you know Him, you are blessed beyond measure. You cannot measure it. It is greater than we can even fathom. We can't get our tape measures out there and measure it. We can't look at how much we have, this or that, because it's if we know Him. I don't care if you only got $10 in the bank or if you have $10 billion in the bank. If you know Him, you are blessed beyond measure. Amen. Even if you only have that $10, you are blessed beyond measure because you know the God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that gives you life, the God that extends His grace to you and wants you to know Him. That's His greatest desire, that we would know Him personally, Amen. intimately. And that's what He wanted with Nebuchadnezzar. And if God wants that with an idol-worshiping heathen, do you not know that He wants it with you? Right. If you're listening today, if you're watching on the web, if you don't know Him personally, my friends, the very first message I ever preached as a lay speaker in Pastor Gary's church was about relationship. And you know what? That's still the most important thing. Amen. Relationship with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son and to be filled with His Holy Spirit. You must know Him in a personal way to know that He is God. It's not by all, all of our power and all of our might, our strength, but it's about Him. So think about that greeting, blessed beyond measure. Friends, I'm blessed beyond measure. Amen. I'm blessed greater than I even know. Why? Because of His grace. For God so loved the world. That includes all. The heathens, the righteous. He came to save the unrighteous, friends. Right. If we was all righteous, He wouldn't have had to come. Right? right. He came to save the idol worshipers, the heathens, and the wicked people of the world. That is His grace. We are to make His grace known to all the world. Try greeting people with that. I'm blessed beyond measure. Why? Because I know the King. The real King. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Be blessed today.